240,000 eyes. Formerly, when nectar was being distributed, Rahu tried to create dissension between the sun and moon by interposing himself between them. Rahu is irritated towards both the sun and the moon, and therefore he always tries to doubt the sunshine and moonshine on the dark moon day and full moon night. This is small forward. As stated here, the sun extends from 10,000 Yojanas and the moon extends for twice that, or 20,000 Yojanas. The word Dwadasa should be understood to mean twice as much as 10 or 20. In the opinion of Vijay Dwaja, the extent of Rahu should be twice that of the moon or 40,000 Yojanas. However, to reconcile this apparent contradiction to the text of Mahabharata, Vijay Dwaja cites the following quotations concerning Rahu. Rahu Somaravinam Tu Mandala Dvi Gunoktitam. This means that Rahu is twice as large as moon, which is twice as large as the sun. This is the conclusion of the commentator Vijay Dwaja. We'll read one more verse and then we'll continue. Verse 3. After hearing from the sun and moon, after hearing from the sun and moon demigods about Rahu's attack, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu, engages his disc, known as the Sudarshan Chakra, to protect them. The Sudarshan Chakra is the Lord's most beloved devotee and is favored by the Lord. The intense heat of its effulgence, meant for killing non Vaishnavas, is unbearable to Rahu and he therefore flees in fear of it. During the time Rahu disturbs the sun or moon and there occurs what people, people commonly know as, as an eclipse. Perfect to that. Srila the Supreme Personality God, Vishnu, is always the protector of his devotees, who are always known as demigods. The controlling demigods are most obedient to Lord Vishnu, although they also want material sense enjoyment. And that is why they are called demigods, or almost godly. Although Rahu attempts to attack both the sun and moon, they are protected by Lord Vishnu. Being very afraid of Lord Vishnu's chakra, Rahu cannot stay in front of the sun and moon for more than a Mahurta or 48 minutes. The phenomenon that occurs when Rahu blocks the light of the sun or moon is called an eclipse. The attempt of the scientists of this earth to go to moon is as demonic as Rahu's attack. Of course, their attempts will be failure because no one can enter the moon or sun so easily, like the attack of Rahu. Such attempts will, be, will certainly be failures. Om Gyanatyavandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshura Militam Deni Tasma Shri Guru Venama Shri Chaitanya Mano Omeshtam Sapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadami Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram. 
कृष्ण कृष्णा बोतले श्रीमद भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी दिनामय नमस्ते सरस्वती देव गौरवाणी प्रचारिणी निर्विशेष Starting with the new chapter, the subterranean heavenly planets. Now we are going down under. And then we'll later in a couple of chapters we'll be discussing about hellish planets. That will be a very interesting topic I'm waiting for that. But now uh, currently uh, in this chapter, the position of Rahu the activities of Rahu and the effect of Rahu is discussed, which is 10,000 yojanas or 80,000 miles below sun. And then later other descriptions are also given related to this topic and other lower planets. So we see in this uh, in this verse, in these three verses which we discussed, um, Sukhdeva Swami is giving a hint. Uh, he is giving a hint to what will come later in the 8th canto, uh, amazing pastime of journey of Vail Kosha that will be explained uh, by Shuddeva Swami later in the 8th canto and he gives a hint in the first verse towards the end only he says later I shall further speak about him, about the story of the Rav, but we will see it today only. Uh, so, we see uh, you know, approximately because the sixth canto goes on, and Parikshit Maharaj mostly would be in his third or fourth day, sitting on the bank of Ganges, about to leave his body in the next three or four days maximum, depending on which day was going on for, during the time of fifth canto was happening. And and previously in previous chapters, in great detail, you have heard about the whole cosmos. Uh, all very intricate details about the planetary system. It is so confusing that uh, even after understanding with all the slides and graphics, it's still very hard to. Uh, if someone asks what did you learn, it's very difficult to repeat it. Few words only they remember because it's very technical. And 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 if you see, it's completely from the material cosmos. It's completely because of the material creation. Uh, one has to go through a great study to really capture the whole essence of it. And here is Parishit Maharaj who is oh, halfway through his last seven days and he is very attentively hearing these descriptions and asking questions. And one, one can really get bewildered that why Parishit Maharaj is really keen on learning cosmology and why Sudha Goswami who is the Acharya for Kirtan glorification of the Supreme Lord and Parikshit who is a chariot for hearing about the Supreme Lord are discussing something that is the creation. And a very important point comes through, Prabhupada also mentioned in different places and devotees previously also discussed, that unless this greatness of Supreme Personality of God is understood, it's very hard to remember him at the time of death. Uh, just by way of sentiment, 
when you understand that everything is tavaicha, everything is desire of the Supreme Lord, then pride settles. Now, in accordance with your will, he lives and dies. He is singing about himself. So, very nice verse where, where how by the desire of the Supreme Lord everything is taking place. And why I thought this verse, this bhajan is very nice. Because in the past time, in the second verse also we see how, sorry, in the first verse it says how this most abominable Asura, Rahu, has gained the position of a planetary deity. He is one amongst the demigod, even though he is still demonic in his activities, who tries to basically eat sun and moon. Uh, still, by the will of the Supreme Lord, Rahu has attained the position of a planetary deity. Uh, uh, very interesting pastime goes on. Uh, is related to this means the churning of the milk ocean is happening, Samudramatam. And a lot of different items are coming out of this ocean. One side are the demigods, other side are the, dev- are the demons, the, the lord, tortoise, Kormadev is there, on him is the mount, Meru, not Meru, right? Mount Mandara Mount, sorry, my mount Meru is in the, this Kormadev we are discussing. And then this Vasuki snake is there, who is used as a churning throw, and now the churning of the ocean is happening. And many different items came uh, and demigods and, and demons based on their need and cooperation. They divided even though they, they were very clear what their main agenda is. The agenda was very clear, let the network come and then we will see. Till then, we will cooperate. Mm. So it's, it's exactly like, you know, sometimes some politicians throughout the, the tenure of four or five years they cooperate to exploit whoever is in the power. The opposition also is not challenged much because sometimes opposition can be in power. And then when the election time comes, they fight like action dog. They just speak so ill about each other because now it's the time, it's the climax to gain next power. But here at least the one side are the others who are very much protected by the Lord because of their one quality. And that is that they they work as for the will of the Supreme Lord. And they understand Tavaicha, the things that happen by based on the Supreme Lord's desire. And that's why they are there with us, they are demigods. Whereas these demons, they have personal agenda and their only goal is just sense enjoyment. Whereas with the demigods, Prabhupada says that sense enjoyment is also one of the agendas, but that's that's part of it. That's not the complete total mindset they have. They want to serve the Supreme Lord while satisfying their senses. And that's why Prabhupada calls them as Mishra Bhakta. They are mixed devotees. They are demigods. They are almost godly. So, so now this journey of the milk ocean is happening. And then nectar appears. And this is the climax. This is what they are waiting for. Dhanvantari, who is God of medicine, he comes out with his dazzling effulgence, comes with the pot of nectar. And demons who are more powerful at that time, they snatch this pot and they run away. Now, demigods, what, what happened? All the efforts were futile. So much hard work we did, and now the nectar is gone. Oh. And they immediately pray to the Supreme Lord. 
and the Supreme Lord appears and the Lord says, I'll do something about it. And something very mystical as always the Supreme Lord does which is beyond the calculation of even the Devatas. He assumed a form so beautiful of a woman that it bewildered even the Devatas. Even they, they started lusting after the Supreme Lord. They became so attractive. Vishnu Chakravarti in one of the purports in the, in the description of the 8th canto 9th chapter he says that he, Lakshmi is the most beautiful woman in the entire creation. But the Supreme Lord when he came in Mohini Murti, even Lakshmi couldn't match up with his beauty. He was so beautiful. Vishnu Chakravarti says that this form is simple the personality God challenged the goddess of fortune. The goddess of fortune is beautiful, but if the Lord accepts the form of a woman, he surpasses the goddess of fortune and beauty. It is not that because that the goddess of fortune being female is the most beautiful. The Lord is most beautiful. Hmm? And he can accept any beautiful goddess of fortune by assuming a female form. So the beauty of the Lord surpasses. And, and and imagine when that form comes in front of you and speaks to you in a very attractive very uh, uh, you know, showing all the symptoms as if she is interested in you. So she went to the, the demons and started speaking to the demons. And every demon was she said, Oh my God, how come she's talking to me? She's so beautiful. She's so attractive uh, in her features. They started questioning her, Whom do you belong to? Do you have any father? Everyone is thinking, maybe I'll marry her, maybe I'll marry her. And they can see that, that she's single, she's alone, and I can marry her. And the Lord is also speaking in a very attractive way, uh, very cunning, very, very captivating. And then, the, the Lord, after speaking, He makes certain comments. Moinimukti says, I'm just like a prostitute. Uh, why you people are interested in me? And he's purposefully speaking like that so that uh, they, they feel that he is joking. And then the Lord says, So, if you really want me to settle your fight, because the demons are constantly fighting. And, and Prabhupada writes in one of the purports, is that this is the difference between the devotees and the demons. When the devotees get something very important, very attractive, they first want to offer to the Supreme Lord and then take prasad. But the mentality of the demon is that as soon as they get something, they want for themselves, not even their own mates. Uh, so the demons were fighting that we will drink, I will drink the nectar first. And there was a fight happening between. And the weaker demons who saw that this fight is happening between the, the bigger demons, they, they came up with their own agenda. And they said, oh, I think we should share it with the demigods also. Uh, because they are not getting it. So, so this whole fight was happening and then Mohini Murti appears on the scene. And the leader of the demons, they approached her after she was very captivated by her beauty and, and they said, can you settle her fight? We are so captivated by her beauty, I think you can settle our fight. And with all the charming words, with all attractive features, Mohini Murti takes one promise from them. And the promise was that I will sacrifice but only on one condition. No one will question me what I am doing and let me do what I want to do the way I want to do. 
and I said in the fight and you all will get later. Now, just to impress her, just to, just to really uh, appear very, very not cultured in a sense, but, but just to really get her on their side, they all said yes, 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 we agree, we agree. You just settle our fight, because in their mind everyone is thinking, maybe I'll marry her, maybe I'll marry her, she's so attractive. And now what Moini Mukti does, because she comes with, she has come with a very clear agenda. And even though the Supreme Lord is not partial to anyone, he is equal to all Samaham Sarvabhuteshu. But the Supreme Lord has another duty also. Dharma Samasthapnarathaya. He has to establish religious principles. And to establish religious principles, he cannot just act partial, uh, impartial. He has to act partial. He has to take side in anything or he has to favor those personalities who follow dharma. He has to favor those personalities who would abide by his instructions. Hmm? So the Supreme Lord, even though he is not partial, and we will later discuss a very nice verse which concludes that past time, uh, he had to cheat the demigods or the, the demons uh, and he had to devise all these plans. So what Lord does, there was a nice assembly area made and all the demons they went to take bath. There was Yagyaga because now the nectar, the time, the most important time of their life is coming. They are going to drink immortal nectar. And this whole big massive assembly hall, the demons are sitting in one place in lines and at far distance the demigods are sitting. Now one can question, demons would have asked, right, what are demigods doing in the queue to drink nectar? Mohini Murti captured them with that also. With her words, Mohini Murti told them that Siddhis are wretched, poor demigods. I just give them tiny, tiny, satisfy them, but major portion will come to you all. They are just begging poor people. And they have already promised that they have to follow by instructions. They just cannot say anything to her. And to maintain their, their, to 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 keep impressing her, they just can't back off. This is exactly what's happening in their mind. Just to just to impress, just to maintain their status in front of her, they just can't cancel their vow. They can't just ignore what they promised. And what Mohini does, that she tricks the demigods, the demons, the demons, and she goes to the demigods and starts giving nectar. Now, amongst this all demons, there is one demon. Rahu, whose discussion we were discussing discuss this past time also. This Rahu, who is he, even though he is the most abominable of all Asura, he is the most intelligent also. He is very intelligent. None of the demons could figure out what is the intention of the Supreme Personality of God. But this demon figures out. And he is so intelligent that he disguises himself, changes his clothes into beautiful demigod. And nicely goes and sits where sun and moon are sitting. Now, one can again question, how did Supreme Lord did find out? He is a super soul, he knows everything. Why the Supreme Lord did not identify what this Rahu is up to? And, and that's where the, when the verse says, the first verse says that 
although he is unfit completely unfit to assume the position of a demigod or a planetary deity he has achieved this position by the grace of supreme personality god by the will of the supreme lord tavaichcha by the desire of the supreme lord in this path passed and took place the supreme lord knew this rahu is coming and sitting in the line of demigods but the supreme lord wanted to establish the power of this nectar how this ambrosial immortal nectar works and he wanted to establish it so now he wants to use certain example from the demon side and he knows rahu is coming and sitting here so as soon as rahu comes everyone gets the nectar when murti from the pot is giving nectar to everybody and rahu when he drinks the nectar immediately sun and moon identifies that he is a demon he is a demon the star shout he is a demon he is a demon and mohini murti spoils the whole fun she assumes her vishnu form takes the sudarshan chakra out i think in mohini murti also she takes the chakra out sudarshan chakra and immediately chops out the head of rahu now it is, it happens so quickly the whole thing that the nectar which rahu drank had did not pass through the throat yet it was still till the throat area and when the the, the sudarshan chops of the head the lower body immediately dies but now because the nectar has touched his throat and this is what the supreme lord in mohini form wanted to establish the power of this nectar and that's what the whole journey of the question was happening for rahu's head becomes immortal now this immortality is not uh, the eternality which is in spiritual world but this is still the creation is there so when devadas itself will be annihilated not to speak of rahu so this is not uh, the immortality from the point of view of, of uh, how the supreme lord is immortal but this is very very long duration of life extremely long duration of life uh, rahu gets now this 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 nectar is in his mouth he becomes immortal and he knows who are my enemy sun and moon sun and moon only caused this sun and moon only made this happen they know supreme lord is always partial to their cause so that the, the grudge is towards him anyways but amongst the devadas it's the sun and moon who made this whole thing happen that rahu said it was job if they wouldn't have interfered and told the supreme lord don't know any more that he is rahu sitting here then rahu whole body would have become immortal so out of that animosity rahu on full moon or a dark night or a full moon night goes and covers up swallows up basically and some places says that because rahu doesn't have a lower body he swallows the moon or sun then eclipse happens but he cannot digest because he doesn't have a lower body <laughs> so <laughs> so i don't know how much so how the little say though so now so when rahu captures and this is what surya grahan chandra grahan is this is what eclipse is all about just for one mahurta which is 48 minutes only he is able to do that because of the fear of the supreme lord if he stays if he captures or, or, or covers up sun and moon more than that he knows chakra is waiting and uh, sudarshan so chakra is waiting and the sudarshan chakra can chop the head off so uh, 
you know, so if you see, like we were discussing the whole cosmos the other day, Gopal Vishnu was showing on the projection, many devotees have spoken about it. So, you know, in, in Bhugol Varna, this Rahu, who becomes, who by the grace of the Supreme Lord and by the alignment of Brahmaji, gains the position as equal to a demigod, as a planetary deity, his face, just the head, says Brahma makes his head as one of the planet. Hmm. Hmm. And, and what is the planet? That planet is in, in the verse number 2. Prabhupada cites a, a contradiction between Vijayadvaja Acharya and Shukdev Goswami. Where Shukdev Goswami says that Rahu extends up to 30,000 newton, which is 240,000 miles. Whereas uh, Vijayadvaja says, no, that's not true. Uh, it should be 320,000 miles, which is 40,000 newtons. And he quotes another verse from some other source, some other scripture. To, to to basically prove his contradiction. And it's, it's interesting, you know, these, these personalities, they even though they have contradiction, they don't they don't they don't find fault with Sukhdeva Swami. Because Sukhdeva Swami in the first verse only is saying that according to some historians, this is what I have heard. And Vijayadvaja quotes another verse saying that oh it's actually a little bit more than what Sukhdeva Swami says in terms of calculation. Hmm. So now this, this uh, in Bhugol Varna, this planet which is granted this position by Lord Brahma as a, as a, as a deity, as a planetary deity itself, it comes in the lowest plan. If you see the Kala Chakra, it's hard to tell without the image, but if you remember, if you have seen those pictures, the images in the slide, it is, there are zodiacs. Moon, Sun, and then closest to Mount Meru or closest to Earth is is Rahu in terms of distance. And Prabhupada in many purports, actually in three, four different places in many morning walks, also Prabhupada says that looks like when the moon excavation happened, when they claimed that they went to the moon, looks like they end up going to Rahu. <laughs> they didn't go to moon because moon is very far. Prabhupada and, and, and Prabhupada makes an interesting comment towards the end of the third verse, the purport of the third verse. He says that the way uh, Rahu uh, attacks sun and moon, the desire of demoniac people of this world to go to moon is also a similar mindset. Uh, it's, it's to go without qualification. Is to go and again find some resource to exploit. This whole this whole space travel is nothing but finding out more resources because uh, resources are depleting, right? So so to find out new places, new more resources, so they are going to different planets. So the, the mentality is very similar, and that's what Robert compares. He says the attempt of the scientists of this earth to go to moon is as demonic as the house attack, and of course their attempt will be failure because no one can enter moon or sun so easily. Like the attack of Rahu, such attempts will certainly be failure. So in that Google Warner it explains how this whole uh, creation structure is there and very close to Mount Meru comes Rahu planet. And then when eclipse happens, according to science, 
when sun, moon and cloud becomes straight line that is eclipse but according to how we see that the cloud tries to swallow or capture basically cover up sun or moon for 48 minutes out of fear of the supreme lord that is eclipse mm. so in this whole section of moni murti there is a very amazing verse which concludes uh, i just want to read that that whole section verse number 29 and Prabhupada has written an amazing purport to that verse the verse says and this explains how the Supreme Lord is working there he says the place Bhagavatam says the place, the time the cause, the purpose the activity and the ambition were all the same for demigods and demons Churning was happening in the similar area, the desires were the same to get the nectar, uh, practically the purpose was the same, the action was the same, the time was the same, the cause was the same, everything was the same. But the demigods achieved one result and the demons another. And the reason Bhagavatam gives is because the demigods are always under the shelter of the rest of the Lord's Lord Spirit. They could very easily drink the nectar and get its result. Whereas the demons, however, not having sought shelter at the lotus feet of the Lord, were unable to achieve the result they desired. And again, purport Prabhupada writes, I want to finish with this purport. Prabhupada says that in Bhagavad Gita 411 it says, The Supreme Personality of God is the Supreme Judge who rewards or punishes different persons according to their surrender unto the lotus feet. Therefore, it can actually be seen that all the karmis and bhaktas may work in the same place at the same time. Now he brings this whole pastime on practical terms between the devotees and non-devotees in their work areas. May work at the same place at the same time, with the same energy, with the same ambition, they achieve different results. Very interesting. The karma is transmigrated through different bodies in the cycle of birth and death. Sometimes going upwards, sometimes going downwards. Thus suffering the results of their action in the karma chakra, the cycle of birth and death. The devotees, however, because of fully surrendering at the lotus feet of the Lord, are never baffled in their attempts. Although externally they work almost like the karmis, the devotees go back home back to God and achieve success in every effort. The demons or atheists have faith in their own endeavors. But although they work very hard day and night, they cannot get any more than their destiny. The devotees, however, can surpass the reaction of karma and achieve wonderful results even without effort. Prabhupada says, It is said, one's success or defeat in any activity is understood by his result. There are many karmis, now he makes a very strong statement for many so-called devotees. There are, there are many karmis in the dress of devotees. Now, because this is the Rahu sky comparison. There are many karmis in the dress of devotee, but the Supreme Personality of God can detect their purpose. 
the devotees, the karmis who are interested in devotees, they want to use the property of the Lord for this selfish sense gratification. But a devotee endeavors to use the Lord's property for God's service. Huh? This is a comparison. Therefore, a devotee is always distinct from karmis. Bhagavad Gita says, one who works for Lord Vishnu is free from material world and after giving up his body he goes back and back to God. Thus, from the results achieved by karmis and devotees, one can understand the presence of the Supreme Personality Godhead who acts differently for the karmis, jnanis and then for devotees. So this is this is a very interesting uh, comparison Prabhupada gives that, that we may we may act exactly the same as what the Kalmi does. And this question many devotees ask also. That uh, I'm working exactly the same like my colleagues. What is the guarantee? What is the assurance that I'm going to go back home back to God? Uh, we do the same job. Everyone cannot live in the temple full time. People are working outside, majority of our congregation is outside and hardly there are 7-10 people who are full-time serving in temple. So what is the assurance? This purpose is the assurance, uh, Prabhupada gives. That even though the place, time, cause, ambition, result, everything of the endeavor may come as same in terms of salary, position, power. But what the devotee achieves out of that, because he is very much centered around the desire, fulfilling the desire of the Supreme Lord and the Parampara. It's guaranteed that a devotee has to, has to go back home, back to God. And the Lord is always there to give special protection and act partially towards his devotees, even though he is somehow Sarvasudesh, even though he is equal to everyone. So, this pastime of Rahu gives a very great insight on how Lord can uh, change many things just to fulfill the needs. So that's a great assurance for us. So I just did a few things I just wanted to discuss from this past time. Hare Krishna. Any questions or comments you can discuss? Yes, And then, then 
less result comes from the Supreme Lord. So if you see carefully the law of karma and devotional service in terms of principle, uh, in terms of how one acts and one receives the Lord, appears very similar. But there is something very transcendent in that takes place in devotional service. And that is the, that is uh, in when you speak about karma, the individual person is is solely responsible of his or her action. And it's a set automated law that takes place, that is already designed, which grants the result. But when it comes to devotional service, the Supreme Lord personally can change things around for the individual devotee and that is something very special and that is how a personal relationship with, with the Lord goes. You know, there is no set pattern a lot the Lord follows when it comes to devotional service. So as long as we, we do our bit uh, based on our, uh, what we say, contamination, the, the process of cleaning the Lord will decide and we, we, we do choose uh, what way he wants to clean us, what way he wants to purify us and, and that is very personal. That is something that is completely uh, uh, his priority and he decides, he chooses. Uh, whereas in terms of, in terms of <coughs> normal karmic people, uh, non-devotees, it's a fixed system. It's a very fixed system. Certain, certain action is going to produce certain reaction. Uh, but for devotees it's very different. So yes, uh, we have to still endeavor, we still have to use our senses. And yes, of course, mercy of the Supreme Lord is a very holding factor. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have another uh, question. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I was trying to understand that uh, the statement that you said about uh, demons disguised as a devotees. So in the 16th chapter, Baba gives the demonic and divine nature, and it's supposed that many of us are still struggling with that. Oh, yeah. Can we understand that demon disguises and devotees is applicable in that way, and how that can be understood? Oh yeah, when it says karma is disguised as devotees using Krishna's property for the personal sense gratification. It doesn't equate to the struggling devotees who are sincere in their heart but due to their previous contamination, previous baggage are not purified yet to act purely. It's very different. And that's why I said in the previous question that Mataji asked that the Supreme Lord uh, deals very personally with all individual devotees because He knows in and out what's going on. When Prabhupada makes that point that the karmis are disguised as devotees, that is for someone who comes with a very clear motive to cheat. And there are many people who have entered our moment also, uh, where, where they wanted, just they just, they just became devotee for uh, some position. They, there is, many people are joining, many people are joining, especially in, in places where poverty is there because they are at least my need for food is done. Uh, at least uh, uh, I myself know many years back I was in one of the temples and one of the caves came where this person was very enthusiastic. Uh, everything was there. I was watching him from last couple of years also 
with all the programs and all. And suddenly they found out that he had complete plan. And the plan was just to come to some position and then steal money and get out. And he was caught and they, were, they asked him to leave. Whereas we have seen that some devotees, some devotees have, have fallen to these weaknesses. But knowing the intention, the spiritual ma- intention, the spiritual master forgives them. And they continue with the devotion service and they become purified. Hmm. I don't know whether you are aware of it or not, but uh, one terrorist disguised as devotee from Pakistan, from ISI, came and joined as a brahmachari in one of our Islam temple a few years back. Now he was a saffron shaven head brahmachari. Imagine getting up every day morning following the whole process, going on Sankirtan, everything he was doing, but how well trained he must be, that he was very clear what his agenda was. And somehow, through some intelligence report, uh, Indian police, they found out, they arrested him from our temple. Uh, so, very much like Rahul disguised as Demigodian. So, now one can say, well, he would have got some benefit, but yes, but come, imagine, see what intention he came with. Whereas there are devotees who may be struggling with their senses for years and years, for two decades, three decades, they must be again, there must be relapses happening, falling down again to their sinful activities. But again, trying to lift them up, again push, push through the, 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 the thick forest of sense enjoyment, and they really want to achieve some purity. And, but there is no comparison. That's why Krishna is very personal in his dealing with devotees and he deals with individually with every one of us. So, hope that answers the difference, what you are asking for. And the purple Prabhupada is asking for these cheaters who are actually Rahu, demons, but just disguised as devotees for some ulterior some motive. Mm. But the importance of that intentionally... Yeah, yeah, intention is very important actually. Intention is... Most important is intention. Actions will follow the intentions. Thank you. Hare Krishna, Nandarajan, Bhagavatam, Kira, 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 Kira,